Good day, everyone, and welcome to this Lightbend podcast. I'm Oliver White, Chief Storyteller at Lightbend, and today I'm here with Allison Gennato. Allison is the CEO and founder of Grokability, the company behind Snipe IT, which is a free as well as hosted solution for managing the where, when, and what of a company's physical assets. Among other things, today we'll be talking about the journey going from an open source hobby to a hosted platform with a global client base and happily increasing revenues, and hopefully touch on other topics like how do we use social networks for business, the implications of serverless as an industry trend, and questions we're tired of answering repeatedly. Allison, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Oliver. Uh, before we kick it off, would you mind giving us a, a potted bio of yourself, uh, who you are, what your company does, and, and other things of interest? Well, I think you covered the first two pretty well. Uh, right. I'm Allison Giannato. I'm the founder and CEO of Grokability. Again, as you said, the company behind Snipe IT. Um, so you actually, the way your elevator pitch for my company is better than mine is. I'm not very good at marketing. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm like, happy to managing, be provided that yeah. service. Managing the the who, what, and where of physical assets. Uh, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> so um, that's that's pretty much what we do. Um, and as you say, we have uh, both a hosted platform and uh, the free solution, which is they're basically the exact same product. It's just, do you feel like hosting it yourself? Uh, and we also have a support tier for people who, for security implications, typically um, need to host it themselves, but also want a little extra help uh, mm -hmm. making sure that updates go okay and so on. But uh, in terms of my background, I've been in tech for about 25 years, primarily as uh, sort of a, I guess, developer, then SRE style uh, systems person, and then multiple combinations of both. Uh, I've had a startup where um, I was the CTO. Before that, I was the CTO of an ad agency in New York City. Um, and so I've just, I've been doing this stuff for a really long time. And I, I, I would say I'm probably uh, a jack of all trades, sort of polymath type of technologist, a generalist, if you will, uh, which many people consider to be an insult. And I have spent a lot of my career convincing myself Finally, that it is not actually an, an insult. It makes <laughs> makes you really good in small companies where you have to do a whole bunch of things and wear a whole bunch of hats. So, yeah. Right. And so, so does the term uh, "full stack" uh, cause you uh, heartburn in any way, or is it? Uh, you know, do you I embrace mean, it? <laughs> it's fine. You know, I prefer the jokey ones like "full snack developer." I'm definitely a full snack developer, but. Um, you know what? I, I'm, I've been doing this for too long to get pissed off every time somebody uses a dumb word. So I'm just like, sure. Yep. That's it. You nailed it. But yeah, I mean, honestly, to be, to be totally honest, I have literally had to do from start to finish uh, full stack development, like literally conjuring a, a server out of nothing and then writing the front end and back end code to power it and all that stuff. So yeah, it, it, the, the phrase doesn't bother me and it's probably a good, good descriptor if I'm honest. Uh, have you been uh, involved in the in the open source world for for equally long, or is that something oh, yeah. that came about? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's well, it's one of the reasons why it's so important to my company that we never forget to be really present in the open source community and anything that we possibly can make open source that we do try to make that open source because that's basically that's why I have a job. It's why. It's why my CTO has a job. Like we started in open source. 
open source is what gave us the, the wonderful careers that we have. And it's really important to Grokability and it's really important to me that we never forget that. Like we have one product um, called Good Forms, which is kind of newer and it is uh, email verification, not validation. It's not doing a syntax check. It's actually checking to see whether or not that email address will resolve. Hmm. Um, and that unfortunately, just because the secret sauce behind that would be such a dangerous thing to put into people's hands. Mm -hmm. uh, we actually don't open source that. We open source the JavaScript, JavaScript snippet that you would drop in to have that power your email uh, in your in your form, your signup form. But like, there's just, it's a little too risky, I think, uh, because spammers would do a lot of really bad things if they had that secret sauce. And so we do have a couple of products that are not open source, but anything that we feel is, um, is able to be open sourced. We, we really try to keep to that commitment for the new products that we have on deck. Our plans are to have that be open source as well, uh, or have those be open source as well. It is really important to me and it's really important to us. Yeah, it, it certainly seems to have uh, served as the obvious foundation for, for what you do. Um, that you have quite a, quite a large Twitter following. So I, I see that you're outreach into the uh, open source community and just generally uh, being available and responsive on, on social networks is something that you are heavily involved in. And I, I uh, so that leads me to say that you've been building this community. It's, it's heavily open source focused, and yet you've been able to, to pivot that into something that drives revenue. And I believe that you recently hit a revenue milestone. Do you want to say, say anything about that? And congratulations. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, first of all, I don't know that there's that much crossover between the kind of social networky things and uh, what drives our business. Twitter mm -hmm. for me is mostly shit posting. It's mostly yeah. like infosec shit, shit posting. That's what I do there. It's a hobby. <laughs> you know, it's okay. just it's how I get how I get my stress out. Um, most of our people in the, in the community on on the let's say the free version. I, I hate to say version because again, it's the same software, but. For the sake of uh, this conversation, the, DI, called, the DIY version, maybe we can yes, call exactly it, yeah. the self-hosted version. Um, yeah. most of those people are not on Twitter. Mm -hmm. They have never heard of me. Um, most of the people on Twitter, I'll, like I'll have people that I've, I've been following. We've been following each other for years. Who are like, holy shit! I just realized we've been using SnapIT for like three years. I didn't realize that was your project. And I'm <laughs> really, really, I'm, I'm snipey head on twitter in my bio it says i made snipe it and it's just now occurring to you that yeah, that you is only get yep. one url there so <laughs> I, I know right it's like wow so i don't know that there's that much crossover i also haven't done a lot of research into that but speaking of those milestones um the really exciting one that we we just passed was uh we, we crossed over a million for our annual run rate um and that has been a milestone of ours. I mean, at the end of the day, these numbers are just numbers. Like as long as we can pay our bills and we can pay salaries, like it's it's all kind of symbolic. We actually hit two milestones recently. We we hit the million dollar ARR, uh, which was super cool. And it's like it's kind of a mind blower because you're like, holy crap, we're like a real company and stuff. What? How <laughs> did that happen? Seriously, how did that happen? But also there was another one. So we we'd already been, we'd already crossed a hundred thousand for net revenue for the month. And we just recently crossed 100,000 monthly recurring revenue, which is which is pretty cool. Uh, and it was just like the last month that we we crossed that. It felt like forever, you know. You're just you're hitting refresh on on bare metrics, and you're just like, come on, come on. <laughs> and, right, uh, and and it's it sounds like you're at the level where you you see orders coming in, maybe you know, probably on the on the hour at least. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I, I actually just wrote a, a piece for a company blog about this, where it kind of talks a little bit about churn. And um, there are a lot of things that we're trying to do to recover our churn. So like, I just actually, I have a, a, a slash command in Slack. Our bot there is called GrokBot after GrokAbility. And we have, uh, because we believe in transparency, I mean, we do a lot of our work kind of out in the public and out in the open anyway. Uh, we have a GrokBot command that allows basically any of our employees to see like what our customer rate for, was for the week, what our ARR is, what our MRR is and all that stuff. And I just ran uh, our GrokBot uh, count command or actually our uh, weekly report. And so like we had 16 new signups this week, but also we had 11 cancellations. That's high for us. And so we've we've got some churn stuff that we need to deal with. Um, this time of year also tends to be a little churnier. And we've got some ideas about why that's true. We, a lot of our customers are schools. A lot of them are uh, governments and especially around fiscal years and around school starts and stops. We, we, do, we do tend to get a bit churnier, but also every time somebody signs up, we, we get a little, um, our, our bot pushes into their, our general channel so we can see that. And, uh, and so that's kind of cool. I like, Ooh, I like that's, surfacing. That's, that's almost that. like a slot. That's like a slot machine, uh, sort of. It is. <laughs> psycho psychology. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it is. And like, that also means that you see the cancellations, like, you know, right. the whole point is to be really, really transparent about it, not to make people feel good when they, when things are not going well. But one of the things that I did recently was like, okay, let's take a look at the reasons for this churn. And, um, Anybody who's interested in more ab about that, they can go to grokstar.dev uh, and they can read the most recent blog post about it. But I kind of go into what those reasons are and I'm sort of tasking the rest of the team as well as myself to like, okay, what are some suggestions that we could do to take away that entire category of cancellation? Mm -hmm. So a thing, a thing that we hear a lot is not enough time. And I totally get that because managing something like this requires time, but how can we do something about that? And so it's like, okay, well, we could automate more of these things. We could have an agent, which we've been absolutely working towards for quite some time. Like we know that it's necessary, but we could have an agent. We could make some of these, these tasks easier. We could figure out ways to automate and work better into people's workflows. Another thing is like uh, asset management is already a part of software that we already use. And it's like, okay, cool. So then the way that we could get rid of that category of cancellation would be let's integrate with what those tools are because everybody likes RUI better than like everything else out there. So let's figure out how to keep them as customers and make their lives easier. And so right. I don't remember what the question was to be telling you. Oh, revenue. <laughs> right. So, so today was just, it's been a, it's been a churny week this week so far and it does happen. And I always mm. try and remind our, 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 uh, employees that like, it's, it's not, it's not that scary. This is at the end of the day, what we're really looking at is monthly and quarterly revenue and things like that. Like just nobody, nobody panic. When COVID hit, we were all a little nervous. We didn't know what was going to happen. And, um, what, what were you, what were you planning for in, in the worst case? Well, I already knew that we had some runway runway in the bank. Um, mm -hmm. and so we did the math and it's like, listen, at our current salaries and our current spend, uh, you know, we've got six months of runway. If we literally just started to bleed out customers, um, we we've got at least six months of runway. Nobody needs to worry about their job. Nobody's getting fired because of COVID. And we've also tried to reach out. We've had customers who have canceled during COVID and they've specifically cited COVID as the reason. And we've actually given them about a year's grace period of services for free, where it's just like, you know what? Probably your, your company's transitioning to remote. Asset management is actually more important now than it's ever been. You yeah, know, when just, everyone, everyone just has the, the desk chairs in their kitchen. 
at home. Yeah. Yeah. And so, it's, so we basically just kind of gave people uh, an exception for stuff like that, but it was, mm. it was definitely scary, but you know, because I'm super conservative in terms of uh, how we spend our money and, and things like that. Um, it meant that we had a little bit of breathing room there. And so I just made it really clear and everybody looked very kind of nervous for the first probably month. And then over and over and over, I'm like, listen, first of all, we're not bleeding out people like we thought we were going to. We're still doing okay. Nobody's getting fired during COVID because of COVID. And we have like, nobody needs to worry about their jobs. It's okay. I promise. And so finally people got a little bit more comfortable with that. We were also really lucky because we were already a 100% remote team. So there wasn't that much of like a disruption in the way that we worked. It was right. basically just the same, except we transitioned, you know, as we mentioned before the recording, like we just transitioned from Slack to Zoom so that that my employees could use Zoom to talk to their friends and family overseas. So there wasn't that much for us other than just like that initial, oh shit, like what is this mm -hmm. gonna mean? Uh, and it really didn't mean very much for us, honestly. Uh, we got a lot more, a lot more new signups, but also very, very churny. And so the net net still ended out kind of the same. You know, we average about 30 to 35 ish signups a week and usually about 10 uh, rollovers or uh, cancellations. So we're usually like, you know, 25. That's a that's a pretty good week for us. 30 something. That's a great week for us. And we averaged about that during during COVID. There was a little bit, I think, during yeah, probably April where it was starting to get a little spooky, <laughs> mm. but then it, it sort of, it picked back up and everything was, was kind of back to normal. We were really, really lucky. I know certainly there are many, many companies out there that were not as lucky as we were. So I'm, uh, I yeah, thank my lucky stars every day that, that we managed to get out, get out of that mostly unscathed. Did you notice any changes in, in, um, trends, uh, for the, open source distribution? Any any numbers uh, appear that interested you? Yeah, so it's it's really interesting. Just in terms of business models, we are effectively in competition with ourselves, which right. means that we can never really charge too much. We can never like, people are like, oh, wow, how are you so cheap? And it's like, because if we're not, then people are just going to host it themselves. Like, eh. Um, and so that constantly being, uh, kind of at odds with yourself is a weird place to be. And so we certainly track um, the people who, when they cancel, one of the options that you have to pick is not, not that you have to pick, but that is an option for you to pick is moving to self-hosted. Mm -hmm. And we definitely, definitely see that. Absolutely 100%. Um, but what's more interesting is more often than that happens, we get people who are moving from self-hosted to hosted. And those are my favorite customers because they already know the product. They already know that it's kind of a pain in the ass to maintain, like it is. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's not really, that's not my fault. It's just kind of the fault of modern web development. There's uh, all kinds of weird dependencies that you have to handle. There's Composer, which, you know, I, Composer is amazing and it transformed the entire ecosystem of PHP. And I'm definitely not here to shit talk about it. But if you're not familiar with that and your job is more often kind of traditional IT, it can be difficult to maintain a, a modern web application, not just ours, any of them. And so it's, it's really great to get those people. And a lot of times what happens is somebody cancels and they're like, Oh, I can manage this myself. And then they're like, wow, this was worse than I thought. And then they come back. <laughs> so then they, they end up leaving us for self-hosted and then coming back, uh, to 
join us again in the, in the hosted tier because it's just, it's a pain. It's just a pain. And like their job is to do IT things, not to manage web-based applications. Right. So, so it's, it's, so it's weird. Yeah. We definitely do lose people to the open sourcingness of it, but we also, I think probably overall it's the open sourcingness of it is probably why we're in the position that we're in. Like we're an eight person company that we, I, I swear to God, this really happened. This is so weird. <laughs> we at our local bar uh, a couple of weeks ago. And one of my employees who happens to be there comes over. He's like, you're not going to believe this. I'm like, all right, what? Turns out some, some woman there had heard of us. Like her brother was installing it at their, at their company and absolutely loves it. And Godfrey, my employee, like she, he's like, you're not gonna believe this, but like the entire company basically is here. And this woman, Ellie is like, no, you're, you're pulling my leg. And it's like, no, I'm wearing the hoodie and everything. Like that's really us. And so it was so wild. Like we're this tiny company, uh, that is completely remote. And yet every now and then we actually like run into people in real life who know who we are. And that is a weird, weird, weird experience. Super duper cool. But I think the open sourcingness of, of it is why. It's mm-hmm. where we got a lot of our traction. So then when we start, when we started, you know, people ask me, like, how did you start this? And I'm like, honestly, I lost a bet. I'm not kidding. I started this by losing a bet. I started this company by losing a bet because my husband was like, you should charge for this. I'm like, why would anyone pay for this? That makes no sense at all. He's like, and he just kept nagging me and nagging me and nagging me. And I think we had a WordPress website at the time. And finally, I was like, you know what? If it'll shut you up, I'll put a PayPal button on. Like two days later, I had my first sign up. I'm like, God damn it. God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) And so I did not want, that was not my intent for doing any of this. But then suddenly I, I, we had customers. I'm like, oh crap, we got to figure out how to automate some of this stuff. Cause you know, installing this stuff is actually kind of a pain. So it's, it's just, it's, it's been a really wild ride, but the open sourcingness, I think is a big part of our success. If I had just tried to come up with some VC or had this closed source hobby thing, I don't know that we would be as successful as we are, if I'm honest. Yeah. Oh, so, like long so you're, roundabout you're, answer. I'm sorry. <laughs> you're, you're describing something like a shotgun wedding to, uh, to yeah, making yeah, this much. Uh, more than, more than just a, a hobby project. Um, yep. you were kind of describing the, the challenge of having an open core, um, and, uh, trying to f- walking walking the line between what makes sense to empower open source users of the software versus what do we need to kind of keep uh, outside of open source in order to protect our our livelihoods and even mm-hmm. and our intellectual property and so on. So well, it's 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 really wild because our lawyer, um, who I love, he's he. The, the very concept of kind of the open sourcingness of this was actually a bit difficult for him to understand. And we do have parts that we don't open source. The actual deployment platform, the way that when you you type in your credit card information, you hit subscribe, and the way that that suddenly magically turns into 20 seconds later, uh, oliver.snipeit.io or whatever, that part we don't open source currently. Uh, we are potentially looking in, into productizing that and p- possibly open sourcing it, but right now it's still very messy. There, but there are parts that we don't we don't open source. There is still kind of the automation part that we we don't currently open source. But yeah, it's a, it's a tough line to walk, and people are like, "Well, can we pay you more to, to add this feature?" And it's like actually, according to our license, like the thing is, 
first of all, we're not a consulting shop. So the answer to that typically is no. If you're a customer, we will absolutely try and prioritize this feature uh, if we can, if it makes any sense. But if you ask us for a feature that doesn't make sense for the entire community, we're not going to do it. Like we're just not. And, you know, conversely, if we build something specifically to solve your problem, that is going into the source. We are AGPL. Like we literally can't violate our own license here. So just know that if we build this, it's going to be in the, in the community product as well. That's just, that's, we don't bother with dual licensing. Every single thing that we have for this product is AGPL. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit more about, uh, going from, from losing a bet to, uh, <laughs> 1 million ARR. Um, what, what kind of scars do you, uh, do you have from that experience? I mean, honestly, they're mostly from the open source side. Our customers are great. I, mm. I, I, I swear, like our customers, our customers, because our customers are like embattled IT people. <laughs> and so as long right. as you, like most of them, we're not, we're not usually dealing with the CTO. We're dealing with an IT manager or somebody like that. And like, they are generally speaking underpaid and not very well appreciated. And because our staff is basically made up of IT people, we know that pain and mm. hopefully we, we always treat them like, like the respected members of the community that they are. And so like, if we screw something up, we apologize and we try and make it right. And so like, we've, I mean, obviously we've had outages where software is a service platform. There are outages. There's going to be bugs. I've absolutely like, dude, I, I write most of the code for this thing. And I tell you, I am not the best coder in the world. And so there've definitely been some bugs that get pushed out. Our customers are always, almost always uh, absolutely champions about it. They're always super cool. There's an outage and they have to reach out to, to us. We respond right away. They'll like send us hug ups on Twitter. It's actually, it's, it's really, really nice. Our customers are really nice. The open source part has always been uh, the difficult part because you end up with people who are effectively just entitled shits and they get mad at you when you didn't solve their problem over, you know, after a year. And it's like, dude, have you noticed that we've had like 3000 open tickets since then? I get it. This is important to you. I absolutely do. And it's on the list, but like, so are 3000 other things. <laughs> like, and, uh, and so that's the sort of sense of entitlement uh, can be really, really frustrating. Um, also, I think <sighs> this is going to make me sound terrible and I'm really sorry about it. <laughs> um, sometimes doing PR reviews can be really murderous because <sighs> there is this like line that you have to walk of, this is not the way I would have solved this problem, but it solves the problem well enough. And I've never been super good at that. It's always difficult for me. I'm always really grateful for people who open PRs, except for the people who open ones that have like 4,000 changed files. And then I'm just like, are you like, are you kidding me? There's absolutely no way I can review that. That's just not realistic. But um, PR reviews are always really frustrating because what you end up having to do a lot of times especially because a lot of them are one-offs. These are not constant contributors. This is like, oh, I found something I wanted, I wanted to add this one feature. And then you can ask for changes and they just never respond to you. And you're like, well, crap, do I take this without the changes, which definitely adds a feature or fixes a bug, even though it's not the way that I want. And do I go back in real quick and fix it? Do I not accept it at all? Do we wait, do we wait a little bit longer to hear back from the original PR person? It's uh, it's just, it can be really, really frustrating. And that's not just for open source where you have a commercial aspect. That's just 
true for open source. I don't think there are that many scars at all from the commercial side. I mean, yeah, it's plenty of hours and there's a lot of like stuff you feel like you don't know. We don't do any marketing at all. We tried a little bit and it was just a disaster. And so what 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 the, didn't work for you? Oh, just I mean, we tried to we tried to run a couple of targeted ads and we just didn't see anything no fruits of that labor. So we just, we don't bother to do it right now. We're looking into some possibilities for good forms because I, I have a better idea of what our audience would be there. Um, but I think honestly, the corporate side has been other than a shit ton of work. It's actually not been that bad. It's the open source part is always hard and it's always been hard. Like that's literally always been true. So it's, this is not a unique case or anything. It, it's just open source is hard news at 11. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd say those of us who have been around for a while, for at least a little while have uh, received that sentiment over the years. Mm -hmm. um, I as, mean, obviously, we, 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 oh, go ahead. We, obviously, we obviously still feel like it's worth it, but it's hard. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Sorry, go ahead. But at the same time, it's it's still relevant to the core of your of the commercial side of your business. So, yeah, mm -hmm. I, it's it's a balancing act. Sure. Yep. Uh, I was going to ask, uh, in terms of how you're how you're hosting your software, um, one of the industry trends that we're we're definitely looking at and, and embracing heavily at Lightbend uh, with our product Aka Serverless is well about serverless. And I'm wondering, um, you know, how 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 closely do you follow industry trends such as the the kind of push towards serverless? I believe. The um, CEO of Amazon Web Services is is quoted as saying something like, "By 2022, 50% of AWS workloads should be serverless, and things like that." Is is that trickling down towards um, towards your your area of focus? Is is that coming to the uh, Snipe hosted platform? And does serverless matter to you? Nope, hipster bullshit. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> so it's it's a it's actually not that. It's just because of the way that the application was is structured. Uh, so we're always looking at it. Obviously, uh, we've got our costs down in terms of per per customer hosting. We've got it down to about a dollar a customer per month. So like, mm. that's a really really good rate to have. <laughs> yeah. And um, just because of the architecture of the application, it makes serverless a little bit more difficult. We do have some serverless sort of uh, sugar in our deployment stuff, but currently, uh, because the application is not multi-tenant, so on a single box, if we have a thousand customers on that box, we have a thousand installs of Snipe IT, mm. um, which obviously can be problematic when you're trying to roll out a new version across a thousand customers. You literally got 1000 individual installs of this software, and that can be very time intense it can be so uh, it can just, what, what's actually for, for those of us who aren't keyed in as much you know what's going on behind the scenes what is what does that uh, mean for your for your infrastructure and and how you need to think about scaling for example or well so for example uh snipe it is built on laravel laravel includes a dot env file which holds your database credentials your uh, mail server credentials, whatever it is that sort of is magical to your, to, to your particular install of that thing. Mm -hmm. And, um, so that we would need to figure out how we would kind of make, cause each, each customer has their own database. 
we don't do a multi-tenant situation. So it's not like there's one giant .n file that we can stamp out and everybody uses it. Everybody gets their own. And so that makes it a little bit more difficult. Uh, we also don't have yet full S3 integration. We're like 98% of the way there, but the way mm. we implement it is kind of not the way Laravel wants you to do it. And so it's been a real fight to, to get everything to work that way. Mm. I wouldn't say that we are, uh, we are absolutely interested in it. It's simply because the, the architecture of the application itself, because it was not designed to be a multi-tenant app, it just makes implementing that a little bit more difficult, but it is always something that we're looking at and not, not even to save money. Like at that point when you get, it's a dollar a customer, we're not really going to save that much money, but if we can make things faster and make things more efficient, then that's great. And so we're always looking at things like that. Our, our latest hire, uh, who is Germops on Twitter, uh, is an absolute machine. And uh, I, I just, I learn something new with him every day and it's, it's really cool. And he's always looking at stuff like that. So nothing is ever off the table completely, but there's definitely some restructuring of the application itself, or at least some kind of rejiggering of how we handle that hosting uh, that would need to be necessary before that would be something feasible. Mm -hmm. Do you see any anything um, driving you from from outside to to start thinking about these things early? Uh, I mean, I think when you've been in tech as long as I do, as long as I've been, you're just like, sure, it, it'll blow over. It's like, you're like whatever. <laughs> if, if it's still here in five years, then talk to me about it. But I, you know, you just you see so much stuff come and go that um, without trying to sound like I'm fearful or like anti-progress, because I'm definitely not. I'm just not going to re-architect my application around some technology that may be gone in three years. Um, we just we don't have that kind of staffing. I don't have that kind of stamina, honestly. I'm old. I don't, I don't want to do that shit anymore. <laughs> and so like, if I don't have some level of confidence, you know, a good example is Node. And and by the way, we've had people literally open a GitHub issue saying, please rewrite all of Snipe IT in Go, or please rewrite all of Snipe IT in Rust. And I have a special tag for that. I think it's like, LOL, 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 what? <laughs> and, and I just close yeah. it with like, absolutely won't fix. Are you, are you outside of your mind? Um, but like node was, was the hot shit a couple of years ago. And now people really just aren't talking about it that much. Mm. And, um, it doesn't mean it's a bad technology. I really like it for some things. It wouldn't make sense, obviously for Snipe IT. That's just, it's not, it wouldn't, it just wouldn't make sense there, but there are certainly places in Snipe IT where it's like, actually, you know, for some of the queuing stuff that we might need to do, it actually could be kind of interesting. And. So I, I guess I'm just, I'm an old fart of the internet. I'm an elder of the internet and uh, I, I like to wait a little bit longer to see what's gonna be around. It makes it a lot cheaper to find devs. It also means that I don't have to rewrite my software every three years because the technology has changed. You know, we're written in PHP, it's an old ass language. You know, there's that forever joke of what do you call somebody who still programs in PHP? The answer is employed because there's work. It's it's able. I'm able to find PHP developers if I need them, and so yeah, I'm an I'm an old fart, and I, I I pay attention, but I don't I don't really pay attention that closely until something has sort of been vetted. There's a good community behind it, uh, and I I have some level of uh, some level of confidence that it's going to be there in a couple of years. What are some of the communities that you uh, spend most of your time uh, thinking about? I assume you mean an open source. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm still I'm still part of the PHP community. 
Uh, I'm, I'm still trying to catch up on the fracas that happened on Freenode, but I've been an op in that on the PHP channel there for like literally 20 years or so. Uh, I think we've moved to a different IRC network now. I, 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 it's been a really busy couple of weeks. I'm not really sure what happened. Yeah. Um, so, you know, PHP, uh, Laravel, those are probably the ones that are most relevant. I don't have a ton of time to, uh, to contribute, you know, to contribute in meaningful ways as much as I used to. Um, I also am part of a bunch of uh, security slacks and things like that. Uh, and I try and help people out as much as I can. But, um, you know, there are definitely times when you feel like the giving tree, if you've ever read that book by Shel Silverstein, where like at the end of the son. day, yeah, I mean, it, it's a horrible, it's a horrible story to be totally honest with you. Um, but like at the end of the day, sometimes you just feel like a stump and you're just like, I'm just the stump. If you can sit on me if you want, but that's all I got left. I literally don't have any fruit. I have no branches. There was no wood left. There's nothing left. And so sometimes the best you can be is a stump. And uh, I definitely try. I, I try my best to be as supportive in those communities as I can. Uh, but really, the Snipe IT community itself is effectively a full-time job. And so that's where I have to spend most of my time. So uh, before we, we end our conversation, uh, what, are, what are three things that you're tired of uh, repeating to people? Uh, people have this concept that being your own boss is like, is like the, it's the, the best thing ever. And like the American dream is, realized. <laughs> yeah. Like it, people are like, Oh my God, that sounds amazing. Like you can just kind of fuck off. You can do like whatever you want. I'm like, um, well, so y yeah, kind of. But the problem is that now, instead of having one boss, like, like you used to have, you have thousands because your customers are your bosses. Um, in a sense. And I don't want, I do not want to discourage anyone from starting their own company ever. I would never do that. It, it has been an incredible journey and I still can't wait to see what happens next. But like, don't think that this is easy under any circumstances. It is not easy. It's terrifying and it's a ton of work. It's totally worth it, but it is not the cakewalk that, uh, I think a lot of people seem to think. Especially if you have Slack haranguing you with, with every uh, customer gained or lost. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you know what? I, I, like, I like to know those things. And if it ever becomes, if it, if it ever becomes too noisy, we can certainly move that into a, a, another channel where you could set notifications on. Um, and you can kind of decide those things yourself. But, um, and these two are kind of maybe combined. Um, please stop thinking that I know what I'm doing. Nobody does. Every entrepreneur that I've talked to has the same feeling where it's like that, that dog in the, in the, that dog meme in space, who's like floating. And it's like, I have no idea what I'm doing. That's basically what you feel like all the time. You're never going to feel like an adult. You're never going to feel like you, you really know what you're doing. Your job is mostly to, well, it kind of depends on the tech side. Your job is obviously to build good tech and try and pay attention to what's going on, listen to what your customers need. From the CEO side of things, you're building a company, which means you're building the culture of that company. Your, your job is to listen to your employees, understand kind of what their concerns are and all of that stuff. But at the end of the day, you never really feel like you know what you're doing. You're just, you're just kind of poking and hoping <laughs> and paying attention to what to what the reactions are. It's okay to not know what you're doing, but like you have to also then monitor the results of what you just did. And if it didn't work or if it had adverse effects, stop doing that. <laughs> just stop doing that. Try something else. 
Um, but yeah, those are those are kind of my two and a, two and a half, I would say. Well, Allison, this has been a really fun conversation. Um, are there any uh, are there any places you'd like to send our listeners to check out more about you? Um, I, would, I would definitely say check out our blog. You can get there just by going to snipeitapp.com and then there's the uh, blog link at the top. Um, we're really trying to we're trying to kind of expose a lot of what we're learning as a business, what we're learning as as technologists. I'm going to be publishing. We do these tech talks every other Tuesday, and sometimes they're about stuff that is relevant to us, and sometimes it's just because it's cool and interesting. And we've been recording them. I just haven't had a chance to caption them yet, so they're not yet on our YouTube channel. But we're going to be posting those to our blog. So sign up for updates to our blog if you if that's the kind of thing that you're interested in. I pontificate ad nauseum about running a business and. Uh, all of the uh, the jackassery that 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 entails, and we're also going to be posting a lot more of the kind of technical content. We do have juniors, and so some of these tech talks are not going to be super duper high octane in terms of like you need to know you need to be an expert at this particular technology in order to understand it. We try and make everything as understandable as we possibly can, but that's probably where I'd send people for now. All right, and I'll make sure we get links to that in the uh, final post when we publish. Well, Allison, again, it was a pleasure speaking with you and uh, thanks very much for joining us. Pleasure was all mine. Thank you so much, Oliver.